Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Get started this morning. As I said, we're starting a new series called Mission Critical. And so that brings us to this question of how do we handle adversity? And that's a really relevant question, right? Because we've been through a ton of adversity this last few years, couple of years actually, in fact. I remember 2018, the end of 2018, it looked promising, and then 2019 came along and we were smacked in the face. And then just as we thought we're getting out of there, here comes a punch in the gut, 2020 comes along, right? So hopefully, you know, 2021, towards the end of 21, we're getting better, and then 2022 will be great, right? Is that your hope? Yes. That's certainly my hope. But in the middle of this, how do we handle adversity? Because that's an important question. Because if we don't know how to handle it correctly, we're going to actually come out of this situation really in a bad mental headspace, a bad place in our life, a bad place in our faith walk with God. Because it seemed to have compromised so many things, right? Because a lot of times we have people even asking us questions. I've got questions like, where is God and how things work and what's happening in this? How come God allows this to happen? All these questions come into our mind. And to be honest, it's, quick, it's a good question to ask because why do we go through trouble? Why do we have to go through adversity? If we don't know how to deal with it, with the situations that come through adversity like anger and discouragement and hate and frustrations and maybe a loss of a job and, and even now pandemics, who ever thought in their lifetime they'd face this situation? This is unprecedented, right? No one imagined this would happen except probably Bill Gates. <laughs> Apparently he planned for it, but anyway, we'll put that on the side burner. <laughs> but we are in a situation that has never been encountered in our lifetime. None of us have ever been through this situation like this before. This is a precedent, and this is a point in history that is going to be remembered. You know, people think about 9-11. Where were you when 9-11 happened? And you can remember that. You're going to ask yourself, and you're going to be able to tell your kids and your grandkids, where was I when the great COVID plague or pandemic happened? This is a point in history that's going to change the course of history forever. Because the way we do things going forward now is going to be vastly different to the way we've, things, we've done things before. So the question comes back to how do we handle this new world we live in? How do we handle the adversity that comes our way? Do we just put it on a side burner? You know, as kids, we have two options. I remember on the kid, on the kid in the school ground, you know, we have two options, right? You know what the options are? You either run away from adversity or you fight. That's it, right? And if you have a parent at home, go stand up for yourself. You know, they punch you, punch them right back. <laughs> and then you have other parents that, you know, don't fight. You know, it's not a good thing. Talk to your teacher. You go to your teacher and they'll tell you, well, deal with it yourself. <laughs> you like, this is a can't win. I can't win in this situation. But as adults, we don't have the option of just running away. Right? Someone says something nasty to you. You can't just run away and hide. You, just, you can't run to your parent and start bawling your eyes out. Because guess what? You're the parent. 
right? You have to show an example to your kids. And for certain, we are adults, we don't want to get into any fist fights. That's not the mature thing to do, right? So then, what do we do? Do we isolate? Do we just close ourselves off? Do we just, you know, get away from society, especially now with all of this social distancing and masks and all these things? Do we just wait it out and go, okay, God, I'm just going to put my mission on a shelf and wait it out? Or do we have a responsibility? So the title for the message today is called, Don't Dull Your Shine. Don't Dull Your Shine. You know, this situation might be new for us, but it's not new for Christianity. The world has gone through epidemics and pandemics before. Not in our lifetime, but it has. We've been through this as a species before. And guess what? We've made it through. You're sitting here as a testament to our success story. Our ancestors made it through, and that's why you're here today. And guess what? You make it through, and your children will be able to look back and say, I remember when my grandfather told me about this incident. We are designed by God to have success, right? But this is not new for Christianity. The Christian response to plagues begins with some of Jesus' most famous teachings. This is what he says. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Do we run away? Do we isolate? Or do we want to be embraced and loved? Did you enjoy not seeing people? Did you enjoy being at home by yourself? Lonely? Not able to talk to anyone? Not able to see anyone? Did you? Anyone put up their hand and go, yes, I enjoyed this? You know, Anna said, or oh, it was Vanessa that said, maybe if you're an introvert, you enjoy it. I can guarantee you even introverts were tired of this. Right? They're like, we've got our fear. We're done. We want some sort of interaction. Right? So when Jesus says, well, do unto others, if you don't like being lonely, if you don't like being isolated, guess what? Your neighbor doesn't either. They don't want to be in the situation as much as you, but they have something they can't do. You have something you can do. Because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to be loved, you should show love. And then he continues, you know, he brings us into this situation where he challenges our thinking to not be so indoctrinated with what the world is doing, but to be transformed by his supernatural power and his ability to help us even in the most dire of situations. And so he says this, greater love has no man than this, that he should lay down his life for his friends. Now, he didn't say these words, he demonstrated these words by doing them, right? He went to the cross by laying down his life, not just for the people that were present, but for everyone, all of us sitting here right now, our benefit for what he said and what he did. Laying down his life for his friends. Put plainly, the Christian ethic in a time of plague considers that our life must always be regarded as less important than our neighbor. I'm not saying you run out there and put yourself in danger. I'm saying let's look out 
for the people that God has placed around us because there's opportunities for us to transform their lives to the power of God. Not to be isolated, but to be engaged. We're called as Christ followers to follow Jesus. And this is what he said, and this is what he did. So, if we are defined as Christ followers, then how do we reconcile our disconnect from what he's asking us to do and what we pattern ourselves to do? Are we following in his ways or is it a convenient thing we shove and go, well, it's not critical at this point. My mission is not critical. I'll pick it back up when it's convenient. I'll pick it back up when I'm good and ready. I'll pick it back up when things get back to normal. Guess what? There's no such thing as normal. Something is always going to happen. And we're not here to predict doom and gloom, but the world is filled with perilous situations. You're not bubble-wrapped as you walk out of your living room in the morning and shielded from anything that happens in the world. You ask God for protection, He protects you, but that means there's things out there that can cause you damage. See, see the early Christians, I love what the early Christians did because they are a blueprint. They believed in Jesus so much that they followed regardless of their circumstances. During the plague periods in the Roman Empire, Christians made a name for themselves. How did they do that? Well, historians tell us that in the terrible Antoine plague of the second century, which might have killed off a quarter of the Roman Empire, it actually led to the spread of Christianity. In the middle of a plague, Christianity exploded. Say, how did that happen? Wasn't everyone keeping away from people? Wasn't everyone isolating? Wasn't everyone walking away from people? They were, but not the Christians. As Christians stepped out of their comfort and cared for the sick and offered a spiritual model whereby plagues were not the work of some angry and capricious deity, but the product of a broken creation in revolt against a loving God. How did they view this situation? Because a lot of times in our modern world, we view it this way. It's like, God, why is this happening to me? Why do we have to go through this situation? What's going on in the world? Are you far from us? Are you distant from us? Are you cursing us? Are you sending us to hell? All of these questions are what we ask. They did not ask this question. You know what they asked? How can we display your glory through this situation? How can we represent you through this situation? They looked at it through the lens of we're living in a broken world and the world needs to know you and I am a product of your grace so I want to display your love to everyone. While we look at it as God, why are you doing this to me? Their perspective was completely different. They didn't retreat into isolation. They didn't isolate themselves. They stepped out. They let their faith lead them by example. And so I'm not here to to condemn you and tell you you shouldn't be doing what the law says. What I'm saying is that we're able to engage with people through technology now that they didn't have then. They stepped out and did things that we can't do. But they engaged with their world. 
Are we engaging in our world? Or are we coming out of isolation like a tortoise sticks its head out, out of its shell? Is everything safe? Everything okay? Can I come out now? Is it safe to approach everyone? That's how we look at it. So, how did they respond to display God's love? I want you to think about this question. What opportunities exist for you to demonstrate God's love? Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, in whatever situation you find yourself in. What opportunities exist to demonstrate God's love? And you can do that through calling someone. You can do that through you know, emailing someone. You can do that through contacting them in a myriad of different ways right now in the world that we live in. To let them know that you are present and you're cared for. You can knock on a neighbor's door without them coming out and leave them something there. Drop a message into their mailbox to let them know, Hey neighbor, I'm here. If you need anything, don't hesitate to let me know. Maybe you can contact people that are going through crisis and, and finding, Where's God? And they post on Facebook and you can privately message them and say, Hey, let me contact you and pray for you. There's many people right now that are going through crisis, not just in faith, but in their world. And we who have the answer, we who have the power of God, we who have everything that God has given us are not able to share it with them when we should be demonstrating God's love and His glory and being a representative of Him in the middle of this crisis. We can do it. We're able to do it. The choice is, will we do it? And more so, these early Christians, it didn't lead them to question God. It helped them see the need for God. That God was necessary because of what we're going through. Not to deny his existence. Jesus gave us a prime example. I said the words of Jesus should be reflective in our life, and our world. And this is what he says. He says this in Matthew Chapter 5, he says, you, everyone say me, are a light of the world. Are you a light of the world? Well, someone like, I don't know. Well, Jesus says you are. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. See, you have the light of God in you. And we're trying to hide it under a bowl. We're trying to put it under something. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do we understand what Jesus is saying? Do we understand the gravity? He's saying, let your good deeds be done so they glorify God. Good deeds to glorify God. Your light in you. I remember my grandfather, he had a passion. And his passion, you can talk to my mother, it was her father. His passion was to shine brass things. <laughs> he loved it. And he would get his little brass hole and he'd get his little lamp or whatever it was that he wanted to shine. And he'd spend hours trying to make this thing shine. And I remember asking him, how does he know when it shines, right? And he says, it's like he was bald like me. <laughs> and he's like, when I can see the shine like my head, then I know it shines, right? 
And he spent a lot of time trying to make these items shine. See, a lot of us, we're God's vessels, but we've become dull. The shine has worn off. The shine of God's glory in us has worn off. You know why it's worn off? Because we're not engaged with him in the way we should be. We're not doing what he's asked us to do. Because if that's his heart, and that's his passion, and that's his will, and we're not in the same place where he's asking us to be, well, we're out of sync. And therefore, we've dulled our shine. But Jesus is telling us to let your light shine. Let your deeds be great that those who don't even know God will know that those you believe in God, you're doing something great and they'll come to know him through what you're doing. Not necessarily through what you say, but what you do. That's what Jesus says. Here's another example. One of the other most famous epidemics is the plague of Cyprian. Named after a bishop who gave a colorful account of these diseases in his sermon. And this disease is kind of related to Ebola, if you know anything about Ebola. The plague of the Cyprian helps set off a crisis in the third century in the Roman world. But it did something else too. It triggered the explosive growth of Christianity in the middle of a pandemic or plague. Christianity exploded yet again. You know why? Because Christians at that time did not grieve for their plague victims' loved ones. Because they believed they were already in heaven. Instead, they redoubled their efforts to care for the living who were sick. And that demonstrated to many God's love. And thousands and thousands of people came to know God through the most, one of the most crisis crises in the world at that time because they took Jesus's words to let your light shine and let your good deeds be done to glorify God's and they put it into action they let their faith lead them Dionysus described how Christians heedless of danger took charge of the sick attending to their every need early Christ followers let their faith lead them through crisis they let their faith help them navigate through and so when we ask ourselves that question well where is our faith where is our faith built on is it built on the unshakable knowledge of who God is or is it built on some crumbling situation on crisis that the world exists in where is our faith built on is it built on Jesus or is it built on what we know? Is it built on how we are supposed to live this life or is it built on what, how we want to isolate from this world? We all face challenges, right? All of us, whether we know Jesus or not, we all face challenges. But I believe that as Christ follows, we face even greater challenges because we are called not to respond in the same way that everyone else does. We don't have to live with the same mentality. You see, oftentimes people just react to situations, but a response is what is required. A response comes from a, a different place than a reaction does. A reaction is shallow and instant. A response is, is measured and thoughtful. One comes from our 
fallen nature, our human nature, and one comes from God's spirit and direction. Right? It's easy to react. As I said before, someone punches you, what's your instant reaction? I'll punch you back. But Jesus calls us to respond, measured, thinking, thoughtful, comes from a deeper place from the Spirit of God. We respond to our world. We respond to the crisis we're in. We respond with love. We respond with care. We respond by engaging in the mission that God has called us to. We don't shelve our mission. We respond to every world-changing event with grace and love. That's what we're called to do. How do we respond to the world that we live in? As I said before, do we retreat and stop interacting with people? Or are we still on our mission? Is our mission paused? Is our mission on the back burner? Is our mission forgotten about because the world is on pause? Or are we still on mission critical? There's people in our world that are going through crisis. We have the answer. Do we dispense it? Listen to what Paul says. And I love this. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Right? What is the power he's speaking about? The power of God in us, the Holy Spirit in us. And he's, God has poured his spirit into jars of clay. You know, a clay jar is easily broken. And God puts his eternal spirit into our jars of clay. Our lives are temporary. We have a, a finite amount of time to impact people around us. We, you know, the first 12 years of our life, we can't do much. We're a child like that little baby running around. They don't know what's happening. They're not impacting anyone. Then from maybe from the age of 16 up to about, say, 50, 60, you have the opportunity to change, transform, and impact someone's life. It's a finite amount of time. And once it's done, it's done. We don't have an infinite supply of days. And so Paul says, understand this, people. We have this treasure, the power of God in earthen vessels. This surpassing power is not from you. It, it comes from God. It comes from Him. And then he says this amazing thing. He says, we are pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but never destroyed. Why? Because we have God on our side. The power of God is always there with us. And yes, we're going to face crisis. And yes, we're going to face perplexion. And yes, we're going to face despair. And yes, there's going to be persecution in our world. But that should not deter you from your mission to not dull your shine. 
None of that should stop you from being. The world has always been a dangerous place. Whether for Christ followers or not. It's always been a place where we have to watch out for our kids. That's why you warn your kids. That's why you teach your kids. Don't go talk to strangers. You know, stay in your house. Because it's a dangerous place. So why do we think that we won't face danger? Why do we think that we're not going to be pushed down and crushed? And as Christ followers, it's going to be even more so. But in spite of all of that, we have the power of God in us. Power of God in earthen vessels. Don't let your light be diminished. Don't dull your shine. God shines through you. See, the the reality is God interacts with the world he creates. And he chooses to interact with the world through us. Through his people. That's how he chooses to interact with the world. And if we follow through with what he's asking us, if we engage with people, if we engage with what we're called to do, if we take on our mission, regardless of the circumstances, then God is at work not just in us, but in the world. God is at work. When we engage with him, we're building relation and intimacy. You know why? Because that's his heart. That's his heart for the world. That's as hard for people around us. And when we question about faith, it's because we're not engaging with him. You see, how can you have a faith that's strong in God if you haven't aligned your life with what his values are? What, what he asks you to do. That's why our faith goes through crisis. Because we start questioning him when we're not in a place... Our hearts are not aligned with his heart. He did, we don't care for what he cares about. We care for what we want. What do I want in my life? What do I deserve? What do I you know, go through? And so I want to take care of myself first. And then I can think about everyone else. Imagine if Jesus thought that way. Let me take care of myself first. And then I'll take care of everyone else. You and I won't be sitting here with the freedoms that we enjoy. Imagine a world where there is no freedom in Jesus. The privileges that we enjoy. When we connect with his mission, we connect with his heart. When we connect with his purpose, we connect with his love. When we connect with what he wants us to do, we connect with his grace and his display of love to the world and when we disengage with him our faith suffers because we're not aligned with his spirit we're not aligned with his heart and that's why we go through a crisis a crisis of faith and that's why we wonder where is god and that's why we wonder what's happening in our world and that's why we we're scared about stuff and all these things because we're not aligned with his and again, I'm not challenging you to suddenly throw off your mask and run to a, a you know, COVID hotspot. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be engaged with where you are. Engaged with the people that God has put around you. Engaged in the church. There's so many opportunities that we have. As we talked about on the news, you know, Transform Pantry. We've been giving out supplies to people that have called us and said, and they don't even come to this church. We're not just caring about people that just come here. We're trying to care for the community at a large. And so we give out generously. And all of you are part of that because you give to that. And so I want to commend you. Put your hands together for yourself. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for sowing into what God is doing. And it might be a small portion for us. 
and it might be even a small portion for them. And we're not doing the greatest thing as you know, other big organizations, but we're impacting one person. One person's life can be transformed. So thank you for seeing what God is doing and thank you for buying into it. And I want to commend you for being present because we are part of what God is doing in our community. And when we step back, when we distance ourselves from his purpose and we retreat into isolation, we're actually disengaging from what God has called us to be and to do in this world. And so I want you to think about, I want you to to challenge your thinking as we come back together. We've been isolated from this community for so long. We've been isolated from each other for so long. How can we re-engage in the critical mission that God has called us to? Every single one of you, child, father, son, daughter, mother, all of us have been called into a mission to change our community, to change the lives of people around us. We don't have to distance ourselves. We might be physically far, but that doesn't mean we can't be emotionally connected. See, when we're distant, our heart gets cold, it gets selfish, and it gets distant. Our faith becomes atrophied. I remember I broke my arm, and if you come see me later, I'll show you my big skull. It broke in half, literally in half. And I broke my leg, and my arm was in a cast for months. My leg was in a cast for months. And when they removed the cast, the bone was healed, but the muscle had atrophied. It couldn't do what it was normally designed to do. Because why? Because it was in a cast, I couldn't use it in a way. Just for normal activities, just picking up a cup was difficult because it wasn't doing that. That little motion right there, my wrist was locked. I couldn't do that. And so I had to exercise it again. I had to massage it. I had to try and work it back to making it a normal function. And see, that's what happens with our faith. When we don't use our faith, when we don't activate our faith, when we don't engage in God's mission, we don't engage in the church, we don't engage in the things around us, our faith becomes atrophied. It grows smaller. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so when you suffer a crisis of faith, it's not overnight. It didn't just wake up one day and go, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening. I'm struggling with my faith. No, it happened over a period of time that you didn't use what God has given you and so therefore it becomes atrophied. So I want to remind you, in the same way our faith needs to be active, to be engaged, to be strong. Look for areas in the church, look for areas in the community, look for areas in your family to participate in engaging your faith, engaging in the mission of God, engaging in the critical mission that you are part of. God chose you. You are chosen. We sang it this morning. You are chosen. You are loved. You are not forgotten. God loves you and has a purpose for you. And so serve one another, not just in the church, but again, in the church, you need to serve one another. Serve in your family, serve in your community, serve people around you, because it's in the act of serving that we draw close to God. 
It's an act of generosity. It's in giving. It's giving to the mission of God. It's giving to other people. It's giving of our time. It's giving of our resources. Some must say, well, we don't have a job. How can we give in church? You don't have to just give financially. You can give of your time. You can give of your resources. Your, your life is a resource that you can give. And when you start giving, you'll find yourself aligned to God. You will draw closer to God. You, some of us are praying, God, I want to get close to you. And we're not doing what's on God's heart. And we're struggling. Do what God asks us to do. Give into the church. Give of your time. Give of your resources. And you'll see your life blossom and flourish. Love one another, as God says. Love doesn't mean I check in with you after six months. Love means we connect with each other. Try to love one another. Demonstrate their love. You know, a lot of times we struggle to text or call. And especially as a church, I think we should do that. And, and sometimes I go in that same place. I can't just you know, tell you the same thing. I've gone into that place, you know, the, the, especially in this lockdown. I went into this sort of depression cycle where I just didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to engage with anyone. I didn't want to speak to anyone. Because that's what it felt like. It felt oppressing, you know. But how do you get out of it? The way I got out of it is just getting a little bit closer into God's message, reading a little bit more of his word, encouraging myself, lifting myself up, because God is with me. And you can do the same thing. Engage with people around you. So as I come to a close, I want to leave you with two questions, as I always do. I want you to really think about this, because as we come to re-engaging, not just in our church, but in our community, in our jobs out there in the world, I want you to think about these two questions. Number one, what do you think God's heart is towards the world we live in? Think about that. What do you think God's heart is to the world we live in? Does he want us to be distant? Do you think that he doesn't like what's happening? Do you think he doesn't care about people? What do you think his heart is? If you don't know what his heart is, well, just read what he says in his scripture. You know, one of the most famous scriptures is what? John... 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave. You know all that, when I talked about before, serve, give, and love, it's all right there. God so loved that he gave. He came to serve us. So what do you think God's heart is towards the world we live in? And number two, what opportunities do you see around you that you can engage in? What opportunities do you see around you that you can engage in? Maybe it's in the church. And I'd love for all of you to be part of what's happening in the church. You know, Show up a little bit early. Engage in the prayer that happens at 9.30. Show up a little early and serve. Welcome, be a welcomer, be a member of the host team. It doesn't take much. You stand there, you smile, you say, welcome to church. And as you smile, people will smile back. Right? It's not hard to do. Maybe you want to learn something about making coffee. You can head over to the cafe. They'll teach you how to make a coffee. And you can smile again and give someone a beverage. They smile back. Wow, awesome coffee. Maybe you want to learn an instrument. Approach someone on our worship team. Let them know. They'll help you learn an instrument. Maybe you want to help out in the cafe. You want to help out in the tra transform pantry. You want to call people. You want to visit people. All of these things. There's so many opportunities that exist in the, in the church life. 
All we have to do is just give some of our time. Be what Jesus said. Let your good deeds glorify God. Don't dull your shine because God's power is in you. It just needs to shine brightly to those around you. Let's stand. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.